Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today, I'm here with Troy Sandage. Troy provides successful social media marketing strategies and solutions from growing small to medium-sized businesses to multi-billion dollar enterprise brands. As a former vice president of a brand agency and serving as a strategist for various clients worldwide, the Chicago native helps people to reach, on average, four times their return on investment via marketing through his DART marketing methodology and simplicity of approach. Troy is also a featured speaker, streamer, marketing director, investor, and Twitter fanatic. In this episode, we're going to discuss how to create successful marketing campaigns during the pandemic, why this is the perfect time to rebrand yourself and how to do it, how to move beyond broadcasting by creating successful marketing conversations, and more. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Troy. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thanks for having me. And I'd love to jump right in. And one of our conversations, you brought up an interesting point is during the pandemic when everyone's working, a lot of people are working from home, that instead of just having downtime and not getting a lot of work done, it's, it's actually an opportunity to brand or rebrand yourself, work on your marketing strategy. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I understand the allure of Screen time has increased by 80, 90%. We need to go, go, go. Here's the thing though. If your website wasn't up to par pre-COVID, uh, maybe your funnels, your CTAs, your messaging branding just wasn't in alignment. You weren't getting that natural integration of conversions and conversations as you would like. Now that there's more people online and more you're competing even more, this is the time to kind of take a step back. I know that sounds crazy, but everyone's is oversaturated. Here's the time to really iron everything, sharpen your swords, modify your website. If you've been putting it off for a long time, no one's coming right now. Everyone's kind of in delayed mode. This is the time to kind of rebuild. Um, look at your messaging for the past six months, not year, just for the last six months. What worked? What didn't work? If you're trying to create more video content right now, if you're trying to jump into the lure of podcasting and other medium opportunities. Now is the time is to really create in bulk. Sure, yes, you can switch gears and be a thought leader during the COVID, but guess what? Everyone is doing it. They're putting whatever they've created, added COVID-19 nomenclature to it, language to it, and is repackaging and going. And guess what? It's not doing anything. You might get an uptick in clicks. You might get a quick boost in traffic, but are they converting or are you just trying to tie into the trend of the noise? So I would say definitely go back, recoup, retool, repurpose, really evaluate where you are. Maybe right now this is an eye opener that you had your price points and your specific audience kind of low. And now you need to retool to rebrand yourself as more of a premium brand feature and take time to understand where your audience is coming from, who you're really trying to target now and how that pivots. What would step one of rebranding be if someone says, okay, that makes sense. I want to do it, but where do I start? What's the first, like the two steps to get started? Ooh, that's always a good question. And I don't want to be that market that says it depends, but to some <laughs> degree, it does depend. If you're B2B or B2C, depending on the price point that you need to acquire, um, all those factors. But if I'm just going to be very general, I'm just going to say it ties into your messaging. So understanding your why and then understanding your audience. If you have a really strong alignment on those two individual things, it'll really infiltrate everything else that you're trying to do to rebrand yourself. 
And how do you how do you know who your target audience is? Is it past purchases, or what is it to really discover? Okay, I, I have the right or wrong target audience. I think it's a combination of you know your past audience who actually. Well, let's clarify very quickly about people who are just passing by and people who are actually taking action. Yes, there's a wider audience that you want people to pass by, kind of the billboard effect. Hey, I'm going to get 300,000 impressions. That doesn't mean anything to me personally, but it's a nice metric to have. And it means you're at least in a nice geolocation or you're in that industry pool of individuals. However, I want to know how many people and of those people who converted, whatever your metrics are, who actually converted that cost that gained you money. Now, going backwards and reverse, okay, they were of this demographic. They were of this age group. We surmise that they like this, they like this, they like that. Knowing those information, now you can tailor your experience more individually to that wider net, but but through that individual lens. The other part of that is what audience do you want to have? Sure, we looked at the people who are already converted, who have already engaged, but what's your ideal one you want? Like, what price point? Where are they from? Are they also, hey, they're going to invest in our company or be a conversion, but they also are going to turn into a brand advocate for two for one special. This is who we want to target as well. Um, and I guess a bonus would be just maximizing your time. Which of those pieces requires more time that you've seen in the lifeline of your business, or the lifeline of your marketing campaigns? Is it worth it? Is it really bringing you that strong return of investment that you need? If not, you need to really rethink your strategy and how to adequate your time appropriately. Talk more about that. How do you, how do you, like for you, how do you manage your time? Like, especially with the uptick of, like you said, screen time and everyone's on Zoom now. How do you manage your time? What would you recommend other people do to be productive and not just popular? Sure. So pre-COVID for a lot of my clients, we were creating very high quality premium video content. So in bulk, and then we would distribute it in various snippets and segments and it did perform really well. That strategy still works really well today. However, Everything's oversaturated and we have the issue because of COVID-19, you can't technically meet people in person for that higher quality richness. So how do you pivot from that? We've been shifting a lot of that through live streams, but not the typical ones um, where it's hour long, you're kind of, you don't know what you're talking about. Hey, I'm live. I don't know what to say. Here I'm, we're being very strategic. No more than 10 minutes. Here's the focus. Here's the information. We may have two or three people who are ready to chime in on interviews, plug it in and go. Um, and be very strategic about that. That's allowed us to have less stress about higher quality production. Again, I don't want to look, don't approach your video content like YouTube, approach it like having real conversations, getting the content out there is better than waiting to have the highest quality product. Cause right now you're, you're competing for everyone's time and then also being consistent. So we've definitely shifted to more live stream for video content, but then also um, podcasting, but in a different way. So yes, people want to create their own episodes, their own series, Instead, we've just gone the route of let's record a podcast. Maybe we'll push it in a month or two, but let's take those audio snippets, add some visuals or an image behind it and get that out there. That allows for the C-suite who maybe don't have time to do a video or for those brands who are like, I'm, I don't feel comfortable on camera, but they can read their notes. They can read their articles and repurpose that format. We've allowed them to take what they used to do as old content and refabricate it for newer audiences. So they're actually taking like blog posts, white papers, things like that, and turning them into podcasts? Exactly. But then we're still tying it back in to that downloadable piece for value if they want to have that full vastness of riches. So it's working both ways, repurposing for sure. 
And what about the other side of the coin? If your people want to build their brand out there, they can repurpose the content, they can manage their time better. What about the outreach portion, the marketing to go and bring people and pull them into you? So this has been really tricky. And a lot of people who know me and follow me know I have spoken about this for quite a while is that if you've been on LinkedIn in the past six months, two years, you've seen an uptick in people asking to connect with you and immediately doing a hard sell. And if you know that you personally don't engage with 99% of that, then maybe you shouldn't push that tactic on your own audience you're trying to push and, and strive for. Um, I would say with the outreach, you know, there's a sensitive time right now. Everyone's emotionally compromised, mentally compromised, physically compromised, literally, you know, there's a dire threat going on right now. So we do need to take that into account. That doesn't mean we don't start marketing and that doesn't mean we um, relinquish the range of outreach. Our approach needs to be more sensitive to be more empathetic and true sure, i'm seeing the word empathy marketing and empathy thrown all over the place maybe it doesn't mean that much <laughs> but it's some there is some merit to it minus all the noise that people have been immediately making books about it no shade to that um is that you're just having conversations use outreach and think of more conversation than broadcasting you will be successful no matter if this was COVID or not if you switch from broadcasting to just having conversations that way that allows you to have those internal interpersonal um sub conversations in the comments and in the dms after the fact by still looking like you're very tailored to what you're trying to do in your conversation what are some key components of a good conversation not about you oh you may think your product your service whatever is the best thing since sliced bread you may think that you're more innovative you're doing cutting edge that's great. That's good. Keep that. I hope you are. But if the audience doesn't get that or know that up front, especially if you're new to them, they're not going to care. So we need to talk about their pain points, talk about what they need, talk about their experience they're having and make it less about you. And after you have this conversation long enough, you're also asserting your authority. You're asserting your thought leadership. You're asserting your humanity. You're being more approachable. By then, after so many checkpoints, they probably automatically subscribed or followed or liked or whatever the action is on that engagement or that profile section. And now it's to the point where, hey, this is what I do. This is how I help. Simple, to the point. Boom, boom, boom. Here's the link or here's whatever to that next step. So you're filtering and qualifying your leads and conversation more effectively than just saying, hey, here's the best thing. And guess what? It was 700 bucks, but we're cutting down for $49 for today only. Buy it now. Well, why should I buy it? Why should I specifically buy it? How is this going to help me? After I buy it, what are the results? All these questions you're leaving in the window because you're broadcasting so much because, hey, more screen time means I need to post 10 times more times a day and do the number game and thinking that's going to work versus... I can have more qualified or quality of content with just conversation. And guess what? That one post could have still engagement two weeks from now, six months from now. And then you're just, it goes to the top of the funnel of everyone's mind and social platforms. And now it just keeps giving and keeps on giving. Where, do you recommend reaching out to people cold on LinkedIn or do you wait till you meet them in person or how do you do manage LinkedIn? Cause I know there's two schools of thought. One being reach out to everyone under the sun. I'm, I'm a lion. I'm a LinkedIn open networker. And then there's, I want to, I have to get to know somebody first after I've talked with them, then I invite them. Which one do you fall into and why? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to say this, if you're more B2B, you're going to have to not be a lion. You're going to have to approach it um, more articulative way, more strategic way. If you're B2C, 
I'm not saying go for it all full, full blown, but there is some more leverage and more results and rewards you can do from that point. Me personally, what I advise my clients to do, um, again, tying into that conversation, there's nothing wrong with cold calling. I'm not saying we can't do it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Without sales and marketing, your company will not survive. That's the bloodline. That's period. You have to cold call because they don't know who you are. They don't know what you do or anything. That's an essential. It's how you do it and when you do it. So I don't agree with pushing um, one after I connected with you and you're like giving me praise about my profile or my content and then boom, here's some crazy, you know, doesn't connect at all to what the previous conversation was about here's something that I do, whatever. And you didn't do the research to see if I would even be viable for it. So if you have your audience together and you know that they can use your services and you made some notes of some previous content that maybe can lean into the conversation more effectively, go for it. If you didn't do those steps and you're just shooting your shot a hundred times a day or how many times to the limit breaks for LinkedIn every day, you're probably wasting more time. You're burning more bridges and more people are going to hear about how bad of a salesperson you are. That's never a good thing <laughs> at all. <laughs> What other marketing strategies, once you get their attention, how, what do you, you know, whether you want to call it a sales funnel, a sales process, you get someone's attention, you start to you know, learn about them, you've done your research and talk about them, then what do you do to foster that relationship? If I can get them on more than one conversation on a separate platform, whether that be Twitter or Facebook, and here's what I see about this. You have LinkedIn is kind of like, it is personal what is professional. So you're going to allow other people who you maybe don't normally interact with, whether by geolocation or country or industry into your LinkedIn circle, just because you want to keep it, you know, you don't, you never know who is connected to who that could be your next sale, your next big break or whatever you may need. So you typically you'll probably allow that. But once you start allowing people to engage with you on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, or obviously the coveted email or god forbid you know we get to the point where now we're having text messages now i'm getting into a more trusted space that empowers me to have deeper conversations with this individual that we've established you know that now i can turn the not turn the tables but really push what i do my service my product what you're doing out to the masses more effectively and it'd be better received if it didn't outside of those inner circles outside of outsourcing i'm sorry so i'd say you know, if they're on LinkedIn, connect with them on Twitter. You'll be able to engage more effectively and be on top of mind on Twitter than you would on LinkedIn. That's just natural. That just wouldn't happen. Now, if they don't have Twitter, but they have a Facebook and they allow you to be friends with them on Facebook, I'm not talking about their business page. I'm talking about their personal page that they just drop the T on it and you engage, you know, casually, you comment. There's that sense of trust now that I can be my full self, self, with this individual without having any like negative, you know, blowback or anything like that. That's something that's very uh, intangible and very valuable. And moving forward, now if you ping back on LinkedIn or ping back on another location or conversation, hey, you know, we had this conversation on LinkedIn, it was great. You know, I agree with what you said on Facebook. I talked about what you did on Twitter. I'm doing all these different touch points, being their fan, it's a Brian fan's own thing, being one of their fans, they're feeling high now in the accolades and the power and everything else. You know what? Let's, let's give you a five minute conversation. Let's give a 10 minute conversation. Let's switch over to messenger and you can give me a quick little presentation or jump on a hangout or zoom or whatever. Tell me what you're all about. You have my full attention. Now you touch all these touch points that's beyond LinkedIn, but you use LinkedIn as that nucleus to get things started. So that's something I would suggest. 
but it sounds like you have this down to a science. How did you discover this? I mean, what's your story with that? I, I think some of that is common sense. <laughs> that sounds funny, y'all, but it's true. A lot of people take all, and again, this is no shade. You know, however you, whatever works for you may not work for somebody else. And us as marketers, as us as sales individuals, as us and in whatever field and industry you're in, you're trying to give advice and the best strategies from your vantage point that may or may not work for someone else because of all the other variables that what is that just happened. And that's the reality. However, I think if we keep in, no, um, in top of mind, just how would I respond to this? Would I engage in my own content? Would I click on that email with that headline? Did you put enough effort in that headline? Like if I wouldn't click on it, if I wouldn't engage with it, chances are someone else would engage with it either. So if I'm not engaging with people who are just connected with me on LinkedIn and immediately hard sell, hard sell, hard sell a hundred times a day, I'm stressed out. I'm working all these different hours. I'm doing all these different things. I'm some people who have children. I don't have any yet. You're trying to manage that while manage your business at home. You don't have any free time for commute to get your headspace. You're trying to do the gym. Guess what? The gyms are closed. There's a lot going on right now. And you sent me that LinkedIn connection. I'm thinking it's cool. And then you hit me with a hard sell. You just threw me over the edge. So I'm not going to do that from a marketing strategy. Again, that's just common sense. I will say tying in, if you can plug into people's emotion, if you can make someone feel good, if you can get someone to trust you, if you can get someone to understand where you're coming from, from your vantage point, you will more than likely win. But also keep in mind the, the strategy I'm talking about is not about the control and manage. It's about declare and fulfill. I want to get six figures of secondary income through XYZ. That's your, let's just say that's your statement versus I need to get this. This is how I need to do that. I'm pivoting. If I had that um, defined declare method, COVID, yeah, did happen, but it didn't disrupt my goal of I, I want to get the six figures. I'm going to get there. Now I might have to pivot how I do it, how long it may take for me to close a lead, how long it may take me to close a sale. I may have to do double time and double work but I'm still getting that versus control and manage. Hey, we have a set number of leads we got to do call every day, a set number of leads we got to do on LinkedIn, a set number of calls, in the day, and by the numbers, it may work. But guess what? COVID disrupted everything. Guess what? That still happens when Facebook does a new algorithm change. It disrupts everything. There's always mm -hmm. going to be something to disrupt that number control manage flow versus a declare and fulfill methodology. To de declare and fulfill, it sounds like that's declaring. It's, it's a two-step process to actually achieving a goal. Is that correct? Yes. When did you discover that? Or is it something that was more of the common sense side of things? So, you know, us as marketers, we look at things from so many different standpoints. And what I realized in a lot of cases I've matured was just the psychology and the human element that comes with marketing and sales. I didn't hit that aha moment. And this is a perfect plug for that until I got into coaching and had a business coach and a mindset coach equip me with just enhancing and really rethinking about what do I do? How do I get there? How do I improve to the next level? And quick question for you. Did you find it easier in a college course or high school course, or whatever, when it was a grade skill, A, B, C, D, F, or pass or fail? I found it easier if there was a grade scale because I, I could register my project process and my projects and everything that goes along with them where pass or fail, it could be, it's pretty ambiguous of, Am I going to pass or am I going to fail? And then comes to the end of the class and you realize, oh, if I would have done a little bit more work as opposed to actually having tests and realizing, okay, I'm at 75% overall. I need to get up to 85%. So therefore I'm going to study more for my next test as opposed to I'm passing. I don't need to study. And I think I would, I learned more too on the ABCDEF. I agree. 
I think in this methodology of framework is combining the pros of both of those into like one system. So the pass and fail, you don't feel as pressure because you're like, I need to pass. It's simple. However, adding those metrics and those milestones in there that, yeah, I want to pass. We can do that. But now can I do it at a D level, a C level, a B level, or an A level? Now, if for some weird reason you only can maximize right now at a C level, but you're still passing and that's still progress than what you were comparing that to whatever the metric was last year or last quarter, that's still growth. That's still progress. That's still winning. And you're still needing to celebrate those wins. Now, next one, can I reach to that B? Can I reach to that A? But yet under that framework of we're still making progress versus that whip tash. Well, if you didn't get this A and this number and this metric, you failed. It's done. How many times that we have forecasted quarter two, quarter three goals, we either surpassed them or we didn't. That either means we have to add more leverage for the previous quarters, I mean, for the following quarters, or we don't. But it's always in fluidity. It's always just taking shape and just trying to make the most of the best of the situation. And that's really what we need to do as marketers and salespeople. So when you're defining goals, it sounds like you also need to define the milestones. I mean, that sounds like that's a really critical part. It's not just, I, I want to make six figures. It's, I mean, how do you do that? Is it every month you make a checkpoint or every quarter? Or how do you do that as far as the milestones to get to, like you said, say you want six figures of new revenue? First, you got to look at the past. You got to investigate um, what you've been doing, what's been working the best, allowing you the least amount of time and effort, but the most amount of profit. Can you replicate that to scale? What does that look like? How much time does that require? Yes, these questions may be boring. They may be like, ooh, Troy, why are you asking that? What you need to understand the science behind how you work and how you think. If you know that you're more productive at night, don't schedule all your top stuff in the morning. I don't care if they're like Bill Gates is on the phone. If I'm not at my best, Bill Gates, please, for the love of God, can you please work something out that we could do something in the later afternoon because I know I'm going to be at my best. And that's just something you have to hold your ground on. So knowing that and putting that together, you can then set up aside some time frame works, some milestones, and some checkpoints to see how well you're doing. However, I would premise or give a caveat to just make sure within that, that you give yourself some wiggle room for when you're just emotionally drained or, again, something like COVID happens. It's not the end of the world. It is not on you. That's completely out of your control that you couldn't make those numbers because of it. However, I will not use that as an excuse that why I couldn't, if I can still make half during this period and make some changes, to me, that tells me when things rev up again, that same strategy is going to double over quarter three and quarter four. So keep that in mind as well. Well, in closing, if someone says I'm really busy or I'm really burnt out, I want to, but I do need to improve my business, the marketing, the branding and whatnot, what one or two things would you, if someone said I can do one or two new things, that's all I've got time and ability to do, what would you tell them to do? Content creation, number one. Um, recalibrate your sales funnel, number two. Excellent. Thank you very much for the time today, Troy. Thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate you. And if people want to look you up, what's the best way to find you? Huh. Glad you said that. Find Troy anywhere.com on any social media platform. Search find Troy in Google. You'll find me. Find Troy. Mm -hmm. Okay. All one word. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.